Well, good morning, Center Point Church. Glad you are here and uh, welcome. Yeah, welcome somebody today. Hey, if you are new with us, my name is John. I'm lead pastor here, and I'm glad you're with us today. I hope you will uh, take Pastor Kim's uh, advice and stop by the Connection Center. You know, this week was supposed to be week two of All for the One, and I'm, I'm just not able to do that today. I, I, I can't really just... Um, you know, have an announcement like the one we just made and just kind of uh, just go on about our stuff and do whatever we wanted, it had in mind. It's, it's too important to, to just pause for a minute and say, God, what's happening? And as I've been uh, praying uh, about this week, I had another message prepared, but just, I just decided at the end of the week, I can't do that. God's stirring up something else in me that I need to share with you. And so I want to bring that message today instead and just uh, pause on, on all for the one. So uh, a number of months ago, probably a bunch of us remember the Holy Gym Fire, also called the Holy Fire that was burning up in the mountains over there. And I remember just kind of coming in my neighborhood in the evening and looking up and seeing the smoke and thinking, oh, wow, look at that smoke. It's kind of interesting. I mean, look how it's kind of wafting. And I was taking pictures of the smoke and going, oh, look how it makes colors with the sunset. And it's interesting smoke. And, and, uh, and then I got together with a couple of friends in our church who are firemen and, uh, and neighbors of mine who are firemen. I was like, oh, I've seen this. That's really interesting smoke, the way it's rising. And they were looking at me like, what? And they said, you, it's not about interesting smoke, you know. And they said, you know, we've been up there in the, right in the front lines of where the fire is taking place. And it's not just some innocent smoke, John. It's a, there is a, a, a torrential, damaging, destructive fire that's taking down everything in its path. And we're right up against it, exerting ourselves with our other firemen brothers 24-7 just to try to contain it so that the damage and destruction is stopped. It's not just innocent smoke to put pictures of on Instagram. And as the firemen friends kind of put me in my place a little bit, um, I, I was thinking about this. You know, that, that old expression, where there's smoke, there's fire, it's an important one, and uh, in a sense, something that we all have in common, or at least most of us anyway, is that over these past uh, couple months when there was a, you know, that holy fire, so to speak, uh, most of us never had to go up and personally deal with the flames, the destructive force of those flames. Most of us, what we have in common is also that we trusted that those firemen would, would go up and deal with those destructive flames for our protection, even though we never personally saw exactly just how damaging it was. And in, in a moment like this one, you know, where uh, we share an announcement like we just did, you know, I, I have to just be very straightforward with you and tell you that, um, that I, I, I'm exhausted, you know? I've, I'm physically, spiritually, emotionally exhausted by what's kind of summed up in a, in a short announcement. It's an exhausting thing to process and go through and and, and in a sense, I'm kind of like, you know, one of those firemen, right? Uh, in the sense that uh, uh, those firemen were the ones up there dealing with the destructive force of those flames, while for others, it kind of just looked like some smoke, you know? And, and in a situation like this, it might just kind of feel to some of us like, oh, well, you know, this looks like a little, little smoke. You know, what's the big deal? But I'm not at leisure or liberty to see it that way at all, you know? I had to deal with that, uh, the, the, the flames right up at close. And, and you know, in a moment like this, uh, there's probably inside of some of us a desire to say, well, well, what is it 
and what are the details, and I want to know about this and that and something else. And, you know, I think many of you would understand in a moment like this, there's just no appropriate way to really go into those things at all. And I, I am asking that you would trust, you know, that me together with, you know, our, our board are, are doing kind of like what those firemen had to do and to trust us to do that work as we should but I also ask for your prayers because it's, you know, it's a difficult moment to, to walk through. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 6 uh, right now. And as you're turning there to Matthew chapter 6, I, I want to bring a message today that God's been stirring up on my heart uh, yesterday, actually. But, uh, and the title of my message is Fight for It. Fight for it. And here's why. There is an opportunity for every one of us to have an amazing fulfilling, fruitful, powerful, honest connection with God and a vibrant life of faith. That's available for every one of us. But we've got to fight for it. It doesn't come about by autopilot. It doesn't just happen by accident. You fight for it. And so I want to tell you today in this message, would you fight for it? That life of faith. Jesus calls it this abundant life and it's a connection with God and a flow of the power of God and the kingdom of God advancing in you and through you. It's an amazing thing, but you've got to fight for it. And so this message is about that, about fighting for it. You know, there was a moment where the disciples were asking Jesus, saying, um, teach us to pray, Rabbi. And you know, it wasn't just that they needed someone to just teach them how to utter words in a spiritual sense. What they're really asking is, Jesus, teach us how to have that dynamic, powerful connection with God like you do. Jesus, teach us how to cultivate our own vibrant spiritual life. Show us what that looks like. And it's kind of summed up in the conversation of, you know, teach us to pray. And so Jesus responds to them. He says, all right, I will. And we call it, you know, the Lord's Prayer. But really, it's much more than that. And it's, uh, it's something that I think every one of us ought to take to heart far beyond what we might have learned as kids as a thing that we rattle off from memory before we go to sleep. You know? but, but let's turn there to Matthew chapter 6 and hear from Jesus. So his words in Matthew 6, 9 are this. Pray like this. Our Father... In heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon, and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us today the food we need, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Don't let us yield to temptation. Rescue us from the evil one. Jesus envisioned that our own spiritual growth, our own spiritual development would include a, a kind of daily engagement in a spiritual time with God that would be marked by a number of things, but that one of the things that would be part of that daily spiritual development, spiritual growth, is a recognition of our own vulnerability. It's absolutely essential. I mean, Jesus wants us to come to a place where we're living in this vibrant, dynamic, powerful, spiritual life. But part of that includes recognizing I got vulnerability. And so for Jesus, part of that is a recognition that there is something, someone called the evil one. 
And he's pretty matter of fact about it. You know, I've been reading the Bible uh, through a one-year Bible reading app and until, <laughs> until about a week ago, I've been in the Old Testament and I'm so glad I'm finally in the New Testament. I like the Old Testament, it's the Word of God too, but thank God for the New Testament, right? So I, I'm finally in the New Testament, I'm just in the first few chapters of each of the Gospels, you know, side by side. And what you see, what jumps out at you in the beginning of the Gospels is that Jesus, everywhere he's going, he is healing the sick and casting out demons. Like that's just a big part of Jesus. And we say that we're followers of Jesus. And, and there's gotta be a, an awareness that that aspect of what Jesus demonstrated is part of the deal. And so for Jesus, it's very matter of fact. There is a devil, there are demons, we don't get freaked out and live in fear, we kick out demons, we confront the reality of the evil one in the power of God. That is Jesus 101. And for some of us, maybe, maybe moments like these kind of need to jar us a little bit, to wake up a little bit and go, oh yeah, oh, yeah, that's a thing. And I can't ignore it. Jesus never wanted you to ignore it. Jesus has invited you and I into a beautiful, powerful, vibrant, spiritual life, but you've got to fight for it. And what we're called to do is to fight for it with the right mindset. If you're taking notes, that's where I want to begin this message. We fight with the right mindset. I mean, part of what happens when we pray is we, we shift our mindsets. And so Jesus invites us, invited us into this time of prayer, time of connecting with God that is in part about developing and cultivating a, a right mindset to fight for it. And it starts with this fight, this fighter's mindset, the spiritual kingdom fighter's mindset. It starts with, hallowed be thy name, or in the NLT, may your name be kept holy. I love the old one, but I also like that new one because it invites me to understand like maybe, maybe choices that I make even have something to do with that. May your name be kept holy. The fighter's mindset starts with an awareness of the majesty and holiness of God. And then the fighter's mindset includes a mindset full of faith that even the way it is in heaven could be done on earth. Did you catch? That's part of the fighter's mindset. And the fighter's mindset also includes a deep trust that God's going to be able to provide everything I need right down to the slice of bread for my sandwich at lunch, my daily bread, right? And so the fighter's mindset is one of deep trust in God for his ability to provide. And the fighter's mindset is marked by mercy, the giving and receiving of mercy, mercy from God, mercy with people. That's part of that fighter's mindset, mercy. And that fighter's mindset is marked by this, an acknowledgement of my own vulnerability and the fact that there is the evil one that I need sometimes to just be flat out rescued from. And so this is part of the fighter's mindset. And, and I want you to have that fighter's mindset. I want you to get this vibrant, powerful, beautiful life of faith in Jesus. But you don't get it by autopilot. You fight for it. And so you choose, first of all, to fight with the right mindset. And that mindset that we're invited into, I mean, it continues over in 1 Peter chapter 5. Where in 1 Peter 5, we, we read this. It says in 1 Peter 5, 8, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him. Be strong in your faith. 
Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. It's it's every believer is affected by this reality of the evil one that Jesus told told us to, to cry out for God to deliver us, rescue us from. And the scripture specifically calls us to this mindset, right? Mindset of being alert. I mean, read it with me in verse 8. Ready? Read this out loud all together. Go. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around roaring, like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. This is not some cute little kitty cat we're talking about. I mean, we have a trust in the power and strength of our God, but we have an alertness that there is a... A, a, a demon, a devil that has an intention to destroy. And we walk with an alertness about this. You know what? I want to be able to watch God do amazing things. Heal the sick, raise the dead, set people free from every kind of captivity. I want to watch God move in power and glory. But I also then need to watch out for this great enemy, the devil, because his plan is to try to thwart and, and, and shut down the glorious things God would do through my life. And so I've, I've got to stay alert. That alertness is, is part of the fighter's mindset. I, I've got to stay alert. There can be a tendency to not be. That's why the scripture is so strong and emphatic. Stay alert! Because there's this tendency for us to not be alert. Can, can I acknowledge that? that I have a tendency to drift into something else, a kind of a lazy spiritual mindset or a proud spiritual mindset, neither of which do any good. I mean, the lazy spiritual mindset just begins to say, eh, it doesn't really matter. I can do a little of this. Nothing's going to really happen. I don't think I'm really hurting anybody. <laughs> and I don't think anybody will even know. And what they don't know, it won't hurt them. I'll just do a little of this. And so, you know, it's like, it's like that. I'm sorry, I can't help the voices. I just, <laughs> that lazy mindset. But it puts us in a place of gr- real vulnerability, you know, when we do that. Or the mindset of pride. Pride that would take us to a place spiritual of saying, I don't need to submit to him. I don't need to do what she says. I'm not, I don't have to do that. I'll do whatever I want. Oh, I don't have to follow this accountability. I don't need accountability. I'm accountable directly to God. And besides, God knows my intentions. You know? like that, the, the laziness, the pride in our mindset puts us in a vulnerable position. And we can't do that. We, we have to do what the scripture said and stay alert. And go, man, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't ever have to be devoured. I don't have to be. That doesn't have to happen. But if I would keep my eyes on the Lord and, and see what he's doing and be responsive to the leading of his spirit and keep that quest for his holiness out in front of me, th- then I am going to live with strength and protection. But we cannot allow ourselves to get lulled into spiritual complacency where we no longer care about the holiness of God and God's call on our lives to live a holy life. We cannot allow ourselves to be lulled into self-delusion where we make excuses for our sin and minimize it and, and pretend it's fine and get other people to normalize it for us, with us. We can't do that. It, it'll destroy us. We can't take step after step down the slope of sin and resist the Holy Spirit wooing us to confess and repent. We can't do that. We've got to fight with the right mindset. And that right mindset includes a humble acknowledgement. I'm vulnerable. I am 
susceptible to being swept into sin. What does it look like? What does it look like to not just utter this prayer from rote memory, leave me not in temptation, deliver me from evil, amen. I mean, I'll tell you what for me personally it looks like. This acknowledgement of my own vulnerability, you know what it looks like for me? What it looks like for me is that almost, almost every day, some of what my prayer life includes is, God, please don't let me, please don't let me ever actually do what I've imagined. Oh, I know, I know, you want to see me up on a pedestal, like as though I had wings sprouting out of my back, and I had a, you know, fat little arms and chubby cherub. It's just not fair or right. We're, it's a level playing field for every one of us. And yes, that is part of my personal life of prayers. God, please don't let me even intervene and override in, in my own free will if you have to, so that none of what I ever imagine can take place. That, that's, to me, the acknowledgement of my vulnerability. I got to. I got to fight for it. And that's part of the fight. This is what we're called to. Now, I, w- I want you to know that we, we've also got to fight the right enemy. We're going to fight with the right enemy. Um, that's the second point of this message. Fight with the right enemy. In a lot of the moments of our life where there's trouble and problems, a lot of times there's, there's a person involved or people involved. But what I want you to hear today is that the person is not the enemy. Those, the people are not the enemy. It's, the enemy is the enemy. Jesus made that clear. Deliver me from the evil one. And it's not talking about that person you have strife with at work, you know? It's the enemy who's the enemy. And we got to fight with the right enemy. I, I got a, a new laptop a couple of months ago, and so I downloaded, uh, a, a purchased and downloaded a copy of uh, Microsoft Word. And I, I loaded it on the computer, and then the first few times I was opening that software, this weird message was popping up on my computer that I wasn't even sure what to do about it. It, it was this message on my screen. It said, you know, you know, exclamation point, danger, right? And then you zoom in on it. You can kind of see it with me. It says, you're opening an application, Microsoft, oh, demon, for the first time. Are you sure you want to open this application? I'm like, yeah, it's called, oh, demon. I don't know if I want to open that application, actually, right? <laughs> I always thought there was demons in my computer. Now I got proof, right? Anyway... You know, there's a reality of this whole thing uh, of the demonic. And we don't need to live in fear, but we do need to have an awareness that there is an enemy and we got to fight the right enemy. So I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6 so that we can understand a little bit more clearly just about uh, this enemy. So in Ephesians chapter 6, this is is what we find in Ephesians 6.10. There's a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Well, just pause right there. And you know what? When we start talking about things like the demonic or whatever, I realize for some of us, 
we don't even have a frame of reference for it. We're like, demonic, it's like, is that the stuff when I walk into Lowe's right now because it's October and they've got it set up by the entrance and it's this, you know, thing? Like, is it that, you know? And, and really, no. What we're finding in the scriptures is something real that we need to be aware of. Not freaked out and scared about, but aware of. And so back into verse 12 for a minute, and, and let's make sure we have an appropriate awareness. It says in verse 12, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. And I think that for some of us, we just need to accept this at face value. God is saying, look, there's just so much more about this universe I've created than you can even imagine. And there's much more than meets the eye. And for some of us, we become aware of a problem in the visible realm. But what we need to also do is become aware that there is often an invisible realm and activity in that invisible realm which is affecting and sometimes even preceding what we see. And we can't only deal with what is in the visible realm. We've also got to deal with what's taking place in the invisible realm, in this realm of, called heavenly places, you know, where there is a, a demonic onslaught of, of attack. We, we have to deal with that and walk in the authority of Jesus as we deal with that. It's part of what we made for. You know, we, we read in the scriptures, starting from Genesis 3, is where we first see this image of this, you know, it comes as a snake, right? And, and, and this ancient foe, the devil, is a created being. So the devil can't do anything to God. God is the creator of heavens and earth and all of the known universe and beyond. Like the devil's just a small thing, really. But because the devil can't do anything to God, the devil chooses to try to come after humanity because God loves people. And so that strategy to try to harm that which God loves is something that we need to just be aware of and not... Uh, be idle about, not sit back and, and, and be lazy about. There's a reality of, of spiritual opposition. And, you know, what I've noticed is that a lot of times the demonic opposition rises up in particular when in our own personal lives or, or even in our church life, when we're about to do something bold in the name of Jesus for the kingdom of God. It's in those moments where there's an increase of opposition and we need to recognize that. We need to be more watchful in those times, more alert in those times, and more ready to stand our ground like the scripture called us to do. In a circumstance like the one that we have just walked through, we've seen the enemy at work, and I think one of the strategies, because that word was used, a strategy of the devil would be to stir up inside of us Cynicism, skepticism, disillusionment, division. <laughs> and I'm asking you to join me to say we were, we're going to call those things out as something that would be stirred up from the enemy, and we're not going to let those things fester. We're going to fight with the right enemy, you know? And, and we're going to also fight with the right armor. We're going to fight with the right armor. That's the third part of this message I want to share with you. We're going to fight with the right armor. And so we go back to verse 13. And we read it. It says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. That's God's revelation of what he sees is always possible for you and to me, is that we can, in fact, always resist the devil in that time of evil. We can. And then after the battle, you'll still be standing firm. So stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. 
for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be able to be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil and put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit. Uh, we'll, we'll just stop there at verse 17. This armor is the armor that we've got to fight with. So I want us to just take a minute and make sure we're acquainted with the armor. And, and here's what I want to start by saying. This isn't some like weird religious costume that you need to go into a wardrobe and try to put on, right? It's not, it's not that. It's really about actions that we engage in and a mindset and, and a walking out of our own spiritual authority. That's what these things really are. Like, for example, the belt of truth. It's not, like I said, some costume piece. It's, it's truth. It's living truthfully. Living truthfully. And part of that includes, like even in our spiritual life, living truthfully and being able to say, this is who I am. And I'm not doing you know, something shady over here, but presenting something else over here. I'm not going to do that. That's not tr the belt of truth. And so the belt of truth is me going, you know what, I got some people in my life I'm being straight up honest with. And when I'm facing temptation, I'm confessing it, I'm dealing with it. Like that's living truthfully. And then the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness is first of all, it's every day receiving again and again the righteousness of Jesus that covers me for all eternity. And it is also choosing to walk and live in righteous ways by the power of the Holy Spirit in moment-by-moment -moment choices. It's both. And it's also about that, that sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and, and making sure that the Word of God is informing me, and I'm allowing myself to be convicted by what God says in His Word, and I'm making a place for taking in what God says. Like, that's me having the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. And then there's those gospel shoes of peace, I mean, peace is a function of being right with God. And part of how I get there, being right with God, is, is being honest about what I'm struggling with and what the challenge is, and, and I receive his mercy. I, I, got that, I got that shoes of peace. I'm willing to tell other people about who Jesus is. And I've got the shield of faith. And, and part of that includes in moments like this where it's challenging and disappointing. I lift up the shield of faith, and I, and I say... God, I still trust in you. God, I trust in you. Even in a moment that's challenging and disappointing and difficult, God, I trust in you. That is the armor that we're called to wear and that helmet of salvation. I treasure the fact that I've been saved by the grace of Jesus Christ, that his blood has covered me. And I never take lightly that my gift of salvation was purchased by his death. And I never take for granted that the mercy I live in and that gift of salvation has been provided through the sacrifice of Jesus. And so I treasure it and I allow that to move me in ways in my life, to choose differently out of honor for this gift of salvation that crowns my life like a helmet. I mean, this is, the, this is the stuff. This is what we've got to be able to, to wear, the armor of God, and fight with the right armor. I want to you know, take you back to Ephesians 6.10 one more time, and I want you to uh, read these words with me. Ephesians 6.10, right from the screen. Let's read it together. Ready? Go. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. There are times when we need to take our stand against the devil's schemes. And that's not only an ethereal, mystical thing that we do 
while praying. I mean, it, it is that. Sometimes taking our stand is also something that we do in real time, in this world, in moments, in our business, in our interactions, in our civic engagement, in, in our decisions that we make, in our church life. Right? And sometimes taking our stand requires us uh, to, to deal with things, even when it comes to church leaders. And spiritual warfare is real. It comes against all of us, and church leaders are not exempt from that. And leaders in the church are, you know, are, are wonderful, valuable people, if you don't mind my saying so myself. You know? <laughs> leaders in the church really are you know, wonderful or can be wonderful, valuable people, but they're also accountable. And the decision that I and our board came to was ultimately about that. And people like me might be really good at preaching and doing ministry on a platform. And we might even be preaching and doing ministry in, in, in such a beautiful way, but my ability to do ministry with anointing doesn't excuse me from being accountable for my actions off of this platform. And sometimes when a person crosses some lines, it can be dealt with in a quiet, subtle way. But then there are some times when lines get crossed that just it can't be dealt with that way at all. Uh, and obviously, I can't get into a bunch of details with you. As I explained earlier, that's just, it, it, there's no appropriate way to do that. But the decision that was made this week was made through an in-depth investigation carried out by legal counsel and with our board receiving and weighing that counsel but most importantly, uh, all of our board members and me, I mean, just people full of the Holy Spirit, d determining and discerning the leading of the Holy Spirit, even in a difficult moment like this one. There is, for me, an ultimate calling uh, as the shepherd of this congregation under Good Shepherd Jesus. And my calling sometimes includes making a decision for the protection of this flock. And I'm willing to do that. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm earnestly asking for you to, to pray with me. It, it is a, a season that I think invites us to do a bit of soul searching. For some of us even uh, to receive from the Lord a bit of waking up inside, you know. And let that be what it is. And, and then to determine for ourselves this vibrant, beautiful life of spiritual Life with God is something that I, I've got to fight for, and I will. And I hope that would be part of your resolve coming out of today is recognizing there's an invitation and a need, really, to, to fight for it, to not take it for granted, to fight for it. The power and beauty of that amazing spiritual life is worth fighting for. The purity of the bride of Christ is worth fighting for. Will we fight for it? The mission of Jesus still matters. Will we fight for it? Like the mission of Jesus, who said, the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. Will we fight for it? The mission of loving and leading people to a life-changing connection with Christ, that matters. Will we fight for it? The vision that Jesus has been stirring up, that, that we would be used by God to help 10,000 people over 10 years come to know Jesus and be saved, that matters. Will we fight for it? 
I mean, the vision of all for the one, of recognizing that one after one after one, there's just people who need to be rescued and redeemed by Jesus. That still matters. Will we fight for it? I wonder, will we fight for it? I want you to just stand to your feet for a second. Where the scripture says we'll take our stand, I wonder if maybe we could stand together as one for a moment. Before we head out the doors, just stand together as one. To literally say we will stand and we will fight for it, God. We'll fight for it. We will fight for it. For, for my own spiritual life, God, I will fight for it. For my own family, I will fight for it, God. For my own business that I'm operating and wanting to do so with nobility, God, I will fight for it. God, for the body of Christ and this one in particular, I'll fight for it. I hope you would say, I'll fight for it. Would you join me? Would you say, I'll fight for it? Say it again, I'll fight for it. I think God is saying, come on, somebody, wake up. It's time to get alert. It's time to determine I'm going to stand like a fighter and I will not back down and I'm going to fight for it. The vision that Jesus has given us, it matters too much. And so, yes, we will fight for it. God, I pray that you would give each of us a sense together of, of how you are on the move in our own lives and in our church. And God, I pray for a, a sweeping move of your Holy Spirit, that you would, God, encircle us. The scripture says the Spirit of the Lord encamps around his people. And he's doing that. I've I felt it in my spirit, the Spirit of the Lord encamping around us. And, and I'm praying, God, that you would allow there to be a sweeping move of your Holy Spirit, drawing us together to be the one that you've called us to be, the one body with the one faith and the one glorious hope for the future, even still. And so, Lord, I pray for a dynamic move of your spirit, for unity in this body. And Father, I pray for some of us, Lord, that you would give us a new fighting spirit like never before, a new fighting spirit like never before. And so together, God, we plead for your protection in our own lives. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We're not afraid to make that plea. I'm praying for that, for everyone in this gathering, God, that you would lead us not into temptation. Don't let us get led into temptation. Deliver us, rescue us from the evil one. Any plan afoot from the devil, I ask God for a holy wall of protection around your people and a resolve inside of us, rising up. The holiness of my God matters. May your name be kept holy, God, in my own life, by the things I choose to do, and where I choose to go, and what I choose to get involved in. God, may your name be kept holy. God, release that inside of us, a quest, a desire for your holiness, God, a fire, a holy fire to burn, God, a holy fire to burn. I pray for that, God, a holy fire to burn. Thank you, Jesus. You put that Ephesians 6.10 back up on the screen for a second. You know, I want, I want you to hear this, church. Listen, we've been talking today a lot about the demonic opposition. I don't want anyone to leave here today feeling afraid. There's no need for you to. Because God's vision for you is that you could be strong in the Lord. The Lord. The Lord. Creator of heaven and earth. The Lord. Like, you can be strong in Him. And so whatever the demonic opposition is, it doesn't stand a chance. First John 4, 4 says, greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. Come on. And James 4, 7 says, resist the devil. He's got to flee from you. You are strong in the Lord, and you're invited to be strong in the Lord. You can be strong in the Lord at every turn, 
in any moment of temptation, in any moment of spiritual opposition. This is your spiritual birthright in Jesus to be strong in the Lord. I want you to say, I'm strong in the Lord. Remind yourself of this reality. Say it again. I'm strong in the Lord. You say, I'm mighty in the Lord. Because that's the truth you are. And you will be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You will rise up in the authority and love of Jesus and experience his victory. And there's nothing for you to be afraid of. Nothing at all.